Hi there, this is Terry Pappy, and you are at episode seven of season four of the Simplify and Multiply show. And today I'm going to be speaking with Julie Hassan. If you are a solopreneur and want growing your business to be easier, welcome to the Simplify and Multiply show. Hosted by award-winning creative, business development expert, and tactical coach, Terry Pappy. The Simplify and Multiply show promises to become your practical, tactical, and motivational guide to succeeding as a solopreneur. Hey there, Solo. I'm Terry Pappy, and I created Simplify and Multiply to provide you a place where you can discover how to make your business more profitable. I'm going to do this by helping you remove the complexity from marketing and business development. So if that sounds good to you, listen in. So I always like to kick off my interviews by talking a little bit about how I met my guest. And uh, I have this funny thing where I'll just reach out to people. I have this uh, funny habit that somebody will catch my eye either on social media or in an article or whatever. (laughs) You know, we get exposed to so much content these days. And I will go to their website or go wherever and try to find their number or their email. And I'll just reach out to them and say, hi, I'm Terry. And I just read your this or watched your video or did that. And I just thought you were pretty cool and I wanted to get to know you. And that's literally how I met Julie. (laughs) And it was, I believe it was through the National Speakers Association where I first discovered her. And when I looked her up on LinkedIn, I started... uh, you know, reading more about her chalk and chances and what she did. And I thought she would be such an interesting guest. And so I I reached out to her. I called her up and we had the best conversation. And we're talking about all kind of things, everything from starting a business, being a solopreneur, to what it's like to be a professor, to strengths finder and all these wonderful different things and her project. And so I invited her to be a guest, and we have a really neat conversation about, because, see, she's in a a really cool phase of her business. She's really starting out. And it's interesting because it... This whole thing started out as a research project, this Chalk and Chances business that she's created. And she'll talk a lot more about it um, on the actual interview. But what I found interesting was that she also has a full-time job. So this is kind of a side hustle for her, but she's very serious about turning it into something truly legitimate. And it's already organically growing so fast and so nicely, it's bringing in all kinds of opportunities for her to speak on stage. So that's you know why she's getting involved um, in the speaker organizations. And so we talk a lot about uh, the things that she's thinking about and going through and how she's kind of coming to decisions about her business and specifically about niching and you know how it's it's kind of like an accordion you know you can start out and then the accordion goes out and you have all these opportunities but then with your niche you can bring it back in so we talk a lot about that and one of the things that i wanted to mention is part of her research project is to collect stories of people who had really pivotal experiences with a particular teacher or they had a teacher who had a very strong influence on a direction that they chose for their career or for their job or for, you know, how they wanted to live their life. 
And she's collecting these stories through qualitative research. And I wanted to just throw this in early before the interview. If you want to share your story, if you have a teacher from your past, whether it was your kindergarten teacher, your fifth grade teacher, or a college professor, professor, excuse me, that had a profound impact on a decision you made about your life, and you want to give oxygen to that story and share that story, I invite you to go to Julie's website, and it's called Chalk and Chances. That's spelled C-H-A-L-K-A-N-D-C-H-A-N-C-E-S.com. So that's chalkandchances.com. And on the site, she gives you an opportunity to read stories that people have shared or that she has collected through her qualitative research where she sits down with people and interviews them in person. Um, or you can actually share your story. So on the site, it asks you, who did you become because of a teacher? And who will they become because of you? So she talks about why she did this project and continues to do this project. And she's so passionate about it. And you can hear it in just the way she talks about it. So I don't want to wait any longer. I'm going to go ahead and let us get into the interview with Julie Hassan. Welcome, Julie. Thank you so much for being here on the Simplify and Multiply show. How is your day so far? My day is great. I'm so happy to be here with you, Terry. Thank you so much for having me. Oh my gosh, we're going to have such a good time. And I'm so excited about talking with you because of the unique nature of your work and what you're building in your business. So why don't we go ahead and bring our listener up to speed on who you are and the work that you're doing in your professorship and your speaking and all these wonderful things that you're doing. Sure. Well, my official title is Assistant Professor in the School of Education at Florida Southern College, but I prefer to call myself a teacher, researcher, and story collector because I teach grad students. It's the best job in the world. They are all educators. They're aspiring educational leaders, so they are teachers who plan to be assistant principals and principals, and they keep me on my toes. But the other part of my job as a professor is to do research, and I research teacher impact. What are the things our teachers said or did that we continue to carry and use in our lives? So I've been out talking to people at public parks, craft fairs, farmers markets, collecting data, just asking a simple question, you know, who are the teachers you remember? And why do you remember them? And now I have hundreds, almost 300 of the most amazing stories. And in these stories are inspiration, but there are also lessons that we can all use to make a bigger impact on the people we serve. So what started out as a means to write an article for an ed journal has grown really organically and become something much bigger and more exciting. And now is in the very early stages of being a business, which is a scary new thing for me. (laughs) But I should tell you, I'm married to an accounting professor, and that makes starting a business 
a whole lot easier. <laughs> yeah. I, you know, I tell you what, I can totally relate because my boyfriend, Doug, has all of that left brain, amazing math and accounting and finance things going on. And he has been the perfect complement to my business. I wish I just met him 13 years ago yes. when I started. Well, <laughs> so I met I mine it. at the school where we both now teach. We started dating there 30 years ago. And I think everybody should have a partner who is the complement to their strengths. I agree. I'm a big dreamer and an idealist. And I always think that this great idea, of course, is going to work out. And he's very realistic and very grounded and and asks a lot of good questions that require facts and figures. So together, I think we have um, created a way to work that is the best of both worlds. Right. It's, you know, full of dreams and hopes, but also grounded in facts and reality. And that's that's what you need in business. And I'm kind of like you. I'm I'm more like about the creating and the serving and the like. Yes. Hey, let's have fun. Let's build this. Let's do that. And then the <laughs> and then the whole aspect around, you know, making sure that you're getting ROI on your investments, making right. sure that you're actually making money and yes. being able to sustain, find ways to create scale and things like that. And so I get it. I get it. We need it, those guys, don't it's we? It's so important. <laughs> He's great about taking a goal and breaking it down into a plan and to steps, um, which for me, sometimes I'm a big dreamer, but I also get overwhelmed. Mm. And when he goes through that process, it's easier for me to figure out what to do next. Gotcha. And what can wait. So he's such a blessing in so many ways. And that's really important. And I think that it's almost like you have a built-in business coach. Because yes. that's what I do for a lot of my clients is really just break down, okay, what's the goal? All right, let's reverse engineer it. Let's just kind of work our way back. What are the things that need to be in place in order for the next thing to actually click into gear? And uh, that's awesome that you have him there to help you kind of figure that out. It is. It, you know, there are times when it doesn't feel awesome. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you don't like somebody to let the air out of your balloon, do you? No, he asks. Wait, some, I wanted to do that. Right? What do you mean? <laughs> what do you mean we can't afford that? He asks some hard questions. They're important, but um, sometimes they're they're tough and they're frustrating. But it's good to have somebody who's not afraid to question those things. Yeah. Yeah, I hear you on that one. So talk more about how this project, this research project, is looking like it's evolving into a business. Let's let's unpack that a little bit. So it started like any other research project. I'm a qualitative researcher, so I gather data through interviews and observations. And I was gathering this great data with the hope of writing an article to make teacher impact visible and concrete really for teachers, so mm. they would understand what their lasting impact is. And as I collected more stories, a friend said, these are so great, you should share them to a broader audience, why don't you start a blog? So I figured out how to create a web page, I started a blog, eventually we had to name it something, so um, talked to a lot of people and we thought about what were the tools our teachers used to make an impact on our lives and we realized because my friends and I grew up in the 80s they used a lot of chalk mm -hmm. and they gave us a lot of chances so the company became chalk and chances right. I have a 
very gifted friend who created the logo and set up the website on Squarespace, where the blog lives. My favorite website platform, oh, by the way. Squarespace is amazing. It is. <laughs> and it's so easy to change things around and mm -hmm. update. But she also created a page on the website that's share your story with a form. And we've had people who are all around the country, and I can't get to them. I can't get to their farmer's market in Wisconsin. Yeah. But they can submit their story through the website. So that's it. been an amazing addition and a great way to keep collecting data from all over the world. Now, how are you getting that out to those teachers um, so they know that there's a platform for them to actually share that story or to the people who are sharing their teacher-inspired stories? And I think that is the task right now is to get the word out. So um, intentionally doing some things on social media. Yeah. I have a plan for doing that better. Um, so we're launching into some new uh, ways to use Facebook and um, Instagram. I've always been great on Twitter, love Twitter, but I've realized I need to expand a little bit and also need to do a better job on YouTube. So we are going to have a weekly series coming out called Five Minutes to Impact that is a quick research-based practice that anybody can use to increase the impact on the people they serve. So that's coming. Um, I'm not, have not always been comfortable on video. So that's been a journey for me, but I've learned a lot and I'm getting better. And I think that's been an important lesson. Just start, start where you are. It's not going to be great at first, but the more you do it, the better you'll get and the more comfortable you'll that's get. So true. I so look at one of my first videos and I- Oh my goodness. <laughs> I even had my dog in it. That's how bad it was. <laughs> she everybody was a bigger star than I was. Oh, everybody loved it. That, that, maybe that's what I should do. Oh, my dog, I, I might feel better. What I, what <laughs> I started to do was look at people who have great YouTube presence. And most of them, if you search way back, you find their early videos. So I think I looked at a Rachel Hollis video from five years ago and maybe Marie it. Forleo. Yeah. And I appreciate that they didn't take those down because I could say, okay, like Rachel Hollis was not always Rachel Hollis. The Rachel Hollis of today. Yeah, As same with Marie Forleo. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> so that's really helpful to know that everybody starts in a place and they get better as they go. And yeah. so will I. Yeah, definitely. I mean, just even me doing this podcast, um, I can already feel you know, how I'm not just getting more comfortable, but I'm evolving how I uh, interact with my guests. I'm evolving what I say when I do a solo episode. Mm -hmm. And I love that I've chunked it into seasons. So yeah. as I get new ideas, I can compartmentalize it in a season. And it's just, it's so much fun. And I, and I love my listener uh, and listener audience that they are giving me the grace to actually go through this journey with them and come along with me. So yeah, I totally get what you mean. And we love to watch you learning and growing. It, it, it inspires the rest of us, not just your content, but how brave and vulnerable you are on the journey helps oh, all of you. us know it's okay to be brave and vulnerable too. So we appreciate you, Terry. Oh, thank you. Because uh, even, even, uh, you know, as I do it myself, I, I find myself second guessing, you know, like mm. maybe I shouldn't have done that, you know, because you do, you want to come across as this together business owner who is the expert and, you know, someone that, you know, can solve those problems and, you know, the strength and, 
it's ironic because it's really the strength comes through when you're actually honest and vulnerable and you're really your true authentic self. I mean, not to the point where you're like a whining puddle of, right. of limpness, like you can't like, you know, because that sounds like the rest of our friends that complain all the time, right? Right. But you, you want to share the struggle. you got to tuck in some of that mess, right? You yeah, gotta you got to put a little bit. Tuck that in a little bit sometimes. It's a balance. <laughs> <laughs> like, a, yeah, I've got it together and I'm a little bit of a mess too. Right. But we all well, are. We're all on journeys. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, that's great. Well, I appreciate you saying that. That's a wonderful acknowledgement. And the other um, thing that I've been doing which is probably how you and I connected was I realized I had to go out and speak about the stories in the project if I right. wanted people to come on board and follow it. And I am a teacher and I love to teach, but I was not a speaker. So I joined National Speakers Association mm -hmm. and honed not just platform skills, but also learned about how that works as a business because right. I really had no idea what a speaking business was built on and what it looks like. And I have a much better idea now. Yeah. So I'm in the early stages of monetizing that. And that's been an adventure in itself. That's awesome. And and I appreciate you sharing that because I, I that's one of the things I really wanted to kind of maybe get the magnifying a little magnifying glass a little closer to you because you're at a really interesting part of your business as and the way everything's evolving is just so organic and fun mm -hmm. and things are falling into your to place like this friend that you have that did your chalk and chances logo and getting squarespace and being able to manage that yourself and having your husband mm -hmm. who is there as your kind of logic mind <laughs> to help you make decisions that you can feel really comfortable about because you know you've measured them against him and right. you come out with something that's really balanced but yet you're still in those early stages so why don't we like talk a little bit about that because this is the season about niche 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 for strength mm -hmm. so as you're learning all these things about putting yourself out there and all these channels and creating content and trying to get more and more of these uh, stories to come in as part of your research project and part of this business what are some of the things, you know, without obviously giving us your whole, you know, business strategy, <laughs> but what are some of the things that you're kind of like looking at or thinking about or wanting to do uh, in this early stage of your business? And mine certainly started uh, in serving teachers and educators. So it started in a very clear niche. And I had to think about beyond inspiring because they certainly need inspiration what problems does my data and do these lessons solve for them? And there were a couple of things that kept coming out as needs. One is they've realized that strengthening relationships with students improves outcomes academically, socially, emotionally. Mm. And they, they intuitively know that and they hear that a lot, but they don't always have strategies for how to build relationships, especially with tough kids. So I bring quite a bit of that, um, those concrete tools, those strategies, skills, and knowledge. Plus the stories make that concrete and say this is how it looks in practice. Yeah, it's almost like you're giving them case studies of yes, why yes. it works and how it works. And case studies of teachers who built these relationships and maybe planted some seeds that they couldn't see during the time the student was with them. And I give them evidence that you keep 
trying because years later, sometimes decades later, that seed has grown into something really beautiful that you may never see, but you have to trust that that's true. Well, not only that, but it's the hindsight, you know, of age Mm -hmm. as we mature and go through a lot of experiences as an adult, allow us to look back onto those formative years and the influences that we had because we had positive influences and we had negative influences. I mean, that's all part of our conditioning. And depending on which ones we gave precedence to Mm -hmm. or, you know, allowed to be the louder voice in our brain uh, really is what helped direct us as as we grew as we grew into adults. Mm -hmm. And I think that that's an important part, too, that that you're what you're doing can actually help those teachers appreciate. Absolutely. What surprised me the most is because I've been serving this niche is that other organizations started to invite me to come speak. Um, And I thought, well, what is it about this that's interesting to anybody else? Mm. And I think you really hit it, Terry. It is that we long for something that is nostalgic and sweet and brings back a time when we felt happy and excited and we're learning something new. But it's also something that unites us. So when um, everything is so divisive right now, if we can all get together and talk about the common experience of being impacted by a great teacher, that can really lift a group up. So I'm surprised how many invitations I've gotten lately to speak to non-educator groups, um, Interesting. business groups. And then I did have a couple of business groups say, you know, if teachers are creating these classrooms where people feel safe and seen and stretched, can we use those same strategies to create cultures in our organizations where people feel safe, seen, and stretched? Are these teachers models beyond a classroom for how to serve people better? So that's been fun and in a whole new challenge. And this is just kind of falling into your lap, isn't it? As words getting out about this, because this is, is, it is a universal thing in many ways, which is counterintuitive to niching. Exactly. (laughs) You know, it makes it like super broad because it's like, if you're a human being, if you've had any kind of educational experience, you probably have a story that you can share. And we all kind of came up basically for all intents and purposes, the same in the same manner. Mm-hmm. And this is what you and I first talked about when, uh, as we were getting to know each other and I was learning about your work. And I'm like, let's translate this into like the work environment mm-hmm. because there are people that, you know, leaders, I mean, everything's really super big on leadership right now, right? Everybody's mm-hmm. getting on the leadership bandwagon and everybody wants to be a good leader. And, you know, they right. have all these wonderful little cliches everywhere. But at the end of the day, that leader who has the impact and can influence through modeling, through what they're doing as a leader, is the one that will create that memory and that that transformative experience for that person. It shouldn't only be isolated for the con- to the context of a teacher-student environment. It's true. And you saw that coming way before I did. You were right about that. I did not see how it expanded beyond the niche. And I will always primarily serve educators. That's my love. That's my history. It's happy place. It is. Yeah. Um, but it's fun to think that we can have these conversations and use these strategies in a broader context. And it does our teachers some good to have other groups hear about their work and, and remember them and appreciate them. And, you know, I think as you 
look at the academic environment and then you parallel it to like a corporate environment or organizational like healthcare or whatever. Mm -hmm. And you'll start seeing some commonalities, Mm -hmm. like what what the things that are working in that academic environment, the dynamics that are happening around those the 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 space that's created, the conversations that are held also can happen in the organizational. So those parallels will help you find that sweet spot mm. in your business. And that's something you'll be able to create products from. You'll be able to do all types of innovative uh, work around uh, that's going to be very, very unique. And I think that's what's going to bring it all together for you. Well, you keep predicting good things, Terry. I'll take it. <laughs> but it's one of the things that we did, Brian and I, recently, because I, you know, I don't prospect a ton, but I have prospected to school districts and different educational organizations. Mm-hmm. And I do those conferences regularly. I always have, but we sort of mapped out where else would this message be wanted and needed. And, you know, from college campuses to nonprofit organizations. You know, like you said, people interested in leadership and really anyone who serves, but especially people who serve young people, there's a need for these kinds of strategies and stories and inspiration. Yeah, inspiration, definitely. Mm-hmm. Because, you know, we we all and, you know, you're in the academic world still. I used to be in the corporate world. Mm-hmm. We all were in the, you know, were kids and went to school. And it's more than just the teacher-student interaction or the boss-employee interaction. There is an environment that brings in all sorts of challenges Mm -hmm. and opportunities from the politics that you have to deal with in not only academia, but also in in the corporate world. And I think that those dynamics are always coming into play, not just the intimate interaction between two people. And I think that's also another fascinating aspect about what the work that you're doing. I think you're right. It's a culture and it's a culture where where we have to focus on how people feel in that culture. And that's what great teachers do in classrooms. They make us feel, I always say, safe, seen and stretched because Mm -hmm. that's what the theme that's come through in all the stories and all the data. But you're right, it's a culture and it's a focus on collectively how do we feel in this place. So let's talk a little bit about some of the things that you're doing. Like you already mentioned about, you know, kind of getting out a little bit more through social channels to kind of invite people to participate and share their stories. What are some of the other things that you're looking at doing? Um, we do, you know, speaking certainly feeds into the social media and the website and the whole mission in general. Uh, I'm halfway through my book. I have a wonderful um, developmental editor who's helping me with that. So nice. hopefully January it will be sent out to query and we'll see where the book goes. Because, I, again, I think, like you said, all of those pieces kind of feed each other um, mm-hmm. and help true. people understand the project better. I have an ultimate dream for this project, which is a foundation talking with Brian, we're not quite ready for that yet. But the dream is that people will be able to donate in honor or in memory of a teacher who impacted their life. And then those funds will help 
give grants to teachers who need resources for their classrooms or want to attend some kind of professional development mm -hmm. so that they don't have to try to come up with that out of pocket or on their own. Um, really for me as a fourth generation teacher and as the mom of a first year teacher who just set up a classroom, that would be a dream for this project. I would love to see it fulfill some of those needs for teachers. Terry will be right back with the rest of the show in just a moment. Are you niched enough? As you know, I'm focusing on exploring niching your business this season with the sole desire to give you the confidence and know-how to develop a niche that positions you as the go-to expert. Unfortunately, many solopreneurs are unsure of how they should niche and they worry if they're narrowing their niche so much that there won't be any prospects. I will tell you right now not to be concerned about niching too much. What you need is the right objectivity to see your value and your ideal client clearly so you can choose a niche that is a natural reflection of who you are. Now, when you do that, everything else falls into place and your ideal clients start coming at you from the most unexpected places. And if you want help figuring out your niche, I can help. All you have to do is pick a time to talk with me one-on-one -on -one for free about your niche by visiting pappychat.com. This is a great opportunity for you to get valuable input about what you're building and how to create a well-positioned brand that drives a ton of business. Get yours on the calendar now. Hit up pappychat.com and niche, niche, niche for strength. Book yours now. That's P-A-P-P-Y-C-H-A-T.com. Now, what have you, I love that dream. I mean, I'm just already thinking, you know, this is going to be great. And <laughs> we're definitely going to have to have a conversation offline. <laughs> right. But um, I was going to ask you, have you uh, looked at doing any type of strategic partnerships with organizations that could help you not only get the exposure for people to share their stories, but also to just kind of expand the possibilities of what you're you're kind of organically building. Yes, we've just thought about that and talked to a couple of people who have some familiarity with some big ed organizations. I'm going to admit that despite my craziness and idealism, I'm a bit of a control freak about some things. No, no, really? no I don't it's know shocking. what that's like at all. I know you don't. <laughs> Are you kidding? I founded that club. That <laughs> <laughs> we're of a we're a bit of a mess, and maybe a little controlling club is for me. I would fit in perfectly. I love it. So I think there's some fear about partnering um, and having the just right partner and how much control we would have to give up for that. But but we're thinking about that, exploring, I'm going to say we're exploring that space right now. Yeah. I mean, if if the way I approach partnerships and, and there's there's so many different types of partnerships, you know, you can obviously have a, a formally structured thing that's a business with, that's a partnership. But the way I look at it is who is already talking to my audience Mm -hmm. or it's if it's my client's audience, who has already got them? And how can I help them serve them better mm -hmm. instead of take advantage of that and extract their audience's attention? But how can I help them 
actually serve their audience better by bringing in what I have of, of value. Right. That's not necessarily an expense to them or their audience per se, but it's something that expands the value of what's already being presented. So mm-hmm. when you look at partnerships, it's got to be a, obviously a win-win for you and for the organization or the individual. It could be just somebody like that has a big audience that could provide you lots lots of that content. I just think that it's such a huge undertaking what you're doing because anybody in the country could <laughs> could basically participate in this. This is like, you know, the Census Bureau going out and saying, okay, where do you live? How much do you make? Do you, you know? Right. It is. It's, it, um, it has a lot of potential to grow and that's a little scary. And right now it's growing very slowly, which is very comfortable. Yeah, it's like controlling. Right. <laughs> you can kind of control the growth a little bit. I'm aware that the snowball could start to roll, which would be a blessing and also a really big challenge. Yeah. You know, what, and right now the, the stories from the website dribble in, which is great. But uh, Brian said the other day, what are you going to do if... All of the sudden, you get a, a thousand a day. You get a, you know, a blessing <laughs> of these riches of stories, and you feel like you have to respond. And I do. I respond to all of them. So there's, there's definitely going to be, if we're lucky, some growing pains and some things to set up and think about. Yeah. And at some point, I know everybody whose business is the size mine is is thinking at some point I'm going to have to bring other people onto the team besides my sweet husband who knows me very well (laughs) and And he charges a high rate i'm sure yes he's the (laughs) cheapest cpa around in this house (laughs) i love it that's a little scary too when you have started something and built it yourself and you're a bit controlling to think about you know a time when you're going to have to bring other people on in order to manage it and keep it growing and that, you know, it's interesting you bring that up, uh, Julie, because it's it's something that I bounce back and forth as a solopreneur. Mm-hmm. And as far as like hiring a giant team and yeah. having all this stuff done, because, you know, I mean, I build things for my clients. I full service marketing services. Right. So uh, it's always been a challenge for me, too, because I want to have the freedom and flexibility which is ironic because if I end up doing the majority of the work or if my immediate team does, then if that kind of bogs us down, it doesn't right. give me the freedom. But yet in my mind, I'm thinking, oh, I'm freer because I don't have, you know, 50 people working yes, for me. Exactly. And there are a lot of solos out there that went from like I can think of um, one right now, Mark S.A. Smith. Mm-hmm. He had an agency of, I think, 30 or 40 people working for him at a time. And he has since changed his whole business model, and now it's just him and his wife, and that's it. And I think he might have, like, a virtual assistant or something like that to handle, okay. you know, admin stuff, which is fine. And and he's like, I wouldn't have it any other way. And I'm kind of, like, of that thinking now as right. I'm getting older in my business. So it's interesting to see how everyone really addresses that differently. And the thing I always say is, like, well, instead of hiring people to do things mm-hmm. that you're already kind of trying to do yourself and you're just feeling that overwhelm, maybe you could look at refining what it is you are doing and so you don't have the need to hire a staff of five or ten or whatever people right. to do these things. So it's a great way to kind of look at your business from the perspective of what is really 
driving the most value for the people I'm serving? Mm -hmm. What is helping me step closer to my ultimate vision and mission for why I'm doing this work, you know, to begin with? Why am I collecting all this information? Why am I curating all of these stories? Where, what's the end game, right? Now you talk about the foundation, you talk about these things, but yet you still have to figure out that gap, you know, where, where that, you know, becomes a product or something. I mean, if this is truly a business, there has to be some sort of strategy and model that allows you to take the information and turn it into something that, like you were saying in the beginning about that comes back and adds value for those teachers and allows them to kind of recover their faith in being a teacher and working with students in such a way and working within the administration that they can be successful and fulfilled because Mm -hmm. we hear a lot about the strife of the academic world and what our teachers are having to deal with, unfortunately. Right. So I know that was kind of just our little rant there, but you know, as you're as you're growing this business, these are some of the things that you have to look at. You have to look at your staff. You have to look at what am I really doing in my business that's going to bring me value, make my life not so crazy, but yet allow me to have that satisfaction, that fulfillment, and that sense of like, I'm really making a difference here with the work that I'm doing. And that's that, that's almost like why this season is about niching. It's like, that's kind of how you niche. You can actually niche by reducing the amount of products and things that you do in your business. And your niche becomes that much more apparent and strong. And you're able to really drive home that message so much more clearly when you do that. Right. That's something to think about. You've been talking to Brian Hassan. (laughs) It's just all on the top of my head as we're having this conversation. (laughs) Amen to that, sister. (laughs) Yeah, seriously, though. I mean, these are all things that, you know, just come up in the work that I do. And just as I'm hearing you talking about it, my mind is just, you know, like, they could do this, you could do that, you could over here, and this is a look at the potential in business, and look at this, and look at that. It's like, I can see how this could, like you were saying, get, you know, snowball really, really really quickly. It could. It could. But that's the exciting thing I think about having a business at this point is there are so many different trajectories or paths or ways you could go and you just have to figure out what you want to do and what works for you and what, like you said, serves people best. Um, and I'm always one who doesn't want to let anybody down. Mm-hmm. So, you know, tries to serve everybody really well and sure I can do that and yes I can do that and I'll be in Georgia tomorrow you know (laughs) yeah so so part of that is something I have to work on too is is saying yes to the right things and saying no to some things and um, really figuring out what's a yes for me and what's a no well that's great that you got that awareness but you're at that wonderful early stage you know it's like the honeymoon phase of your business where all these wonderful new things are coming in, you know, the speaking, the business stuff, the people reaching out to you, and it's giving you the opportunity to allow it to, and that's why I keep using the word organic with you, mm-hmm. is because it's like this business, like you have your trajectory, your mental vision of what you're really trying to create. And because you're excited about it, because you're enthusiastic about it, you're allowing these things to kind of show up. And that's what I think is really cool about what you are doing specifically in your business and allowing these things to uh, come in organically and, you know, kind of test them out and see how they go. 
And I think that that's a really unique way to be moving forward. And you have the advantage now because you've got your professorship. And that's not an easy word to say, is it? It's like it's professorship. Not. It's not. Or, or professorship. <laughs> <laughs> And, uh, and and then you've got the environment that's really supporting you to do this the way that you want to do. And that's so important to have that sustainability in your life where you're not in survival mode. Right. You know, like there's so many sol- solopreneurs who, who get they get laid off or they get into a situation where they are struggling for income and they're trying to start a business. And they're like, ah, how do I deal with this? And they can't invest in their business. They can't do the things they need to in order to get themselves to start getting clients and start building their business. So you're in a much healthier place, which is super smart uh, on your part to actually have not only the support of your husband and your family, but to be doing it in such a multi-textured way. And I think I just can't wait to see how things unfold for you. I really can't. And it's It's a blessing for me because I don't have to say yes to anything because of finances. Yeah. You know, I, I have my salary, it pays our bills, so the yes can come from a different place. And also my colleagues and the place I work are very supportive of doing research and writing and speaking. In fact, it's an expectation of my job. So, I, you know, how lucky to have a side hustle that is so well supported and connected to your full-time job. Yeah. Yeah, and a lot of side hustles start that way too. Mm-hmm. You know, which is kind of cool because if you're if you're in an employment situation that you really enjoy and that you see yourself being in for a while, it's it's that much more fun because right. you can kind of have the little freedom and flexibility to do the side hustle the way you want to do it mm-hmm. and yet you have the structure and the routine of, you know, what's expected of you in in the in the full-time gig, which is pretty cool. So, yeah, right. you're in a really unique position and and I, I, I want to just say to the listener, if you have any kind of situation where your uh, survivability is challenged, find ways to create something you can sustain that can sustain you so you can give true direction and love to the side hustle or the business you're trying to create. Because if you try to create something out of desperation, you won't make heart-centered decisions. They'll be based on surviving and not what is going to make you thrive through your passion. So that's just a little side note for Mm -hmm. my listener. And uh, Miss Julie, I just, I love this conversation and I just can't wait to see where you're headed with this. So I just want to close by asking you, Uh, If there's any type of advice that you could share for our listener who might be in a similar situation as far as starting their uh, new business or in the early days of thinking about a business or in the early years of building their business regarding niching and focusing on what they really want to do. Can you share? I think for me, and I did not do this... um... I did this sort of happy accidentally, but I know Mm -hmm. people who do it in a much more explicit and focused way. Look at your experiences. So for me, I was for many years a teacher and then a principal and then a professor in the School of Ed. uh, And I looked at that work experience. I looked at what my um, education and my focus was in, but also what my strengths are and This project was the perfect melding of all of those things. Mm. 
So, you know, I'm a qualitative researcher. I'm a story collector. I love story. I love to talk one-on-one with people. It was focused on my passion and my experience and expertise, and it just sort of evolved from that. So I think it just grew out of all of the things that I do well and love to do, and so it's been easy to sustain because it's those are the things I would do for free anyway. Those are the things that I have always done. Um, So I think my advice is when you're looking for a niche, you can't ignore where your experience has been, where you've been in the past and sort of that special bit of expertise that you bring that you may not realize is so valuable to somebody else. Yeah. I love how you put that together because when when people are looking at, especially solopreneurs, and when they see, when we get so exposed to all of the other solopreneurs, all the mm-hmm. other coaches, speakers, authors, teachers, you know, you name it, fill in the blank, that are on Facebook, on LinkedIn, on, you know, on stage, when we go out in hotel conference rooms and things, and we're like, oh my God, they're, they're teaching the same thing I am or whatever. But what makes each one of us so unique is not only the method and manner in which we do our teaching or our expertise, but everything that we've learned, we've had a unique experience that has been a catalyst for that learning Mm -hmm. and that has culminated in what our brains are saying, this is the way it it should be done or that I believe works best or whatever that is that's creating your expertise. And I think that that's what a lot of people don't really give credence to because they don't think about their experiences per se, their encounters of other people, Mm -hmm. their challenges as they've helped past clients or past customers in an employment situation where they've been able to really cultivate their own style, their own uniqueness. And I love that you've that you did that naturally, where you looked at your experience, you looked at where your strengths were, and your strengths are already living in what you're doing, which mm-hmm. is an acknowledgement that you're you found a great place, which is why you're so happy there and why this is all flowing so nicely for you. So I appreciate right. that. That's really great. Yeah. You know, I have people I know who wanted to start a business and instead of starting with themselves, looked at the market, you know, what's going to sell, what's going to make money. And if you had asked me about this project at the beginning, I would have said, there's no way that will ever be a business. (laughs) So I think you have to start not with what the market is dictating, but like you said, with your own life and loves and strengths and experiences, and then let it grow organically and you'll be surprised at what it could grow into. Yeah, I actually recorded um, my kind of coming out <laughs> as a as more of a coach uh, podcast uh, back in season three, and I think it was like the fifth episode. And I talked about how people want to work with people who love what they do. Right. And when you love what you do, it's because you're doing something that you have strengths in, that you have natural skills and talent in. Like for me, it's creativity, right? Mm-hmm. I am a creative person. I'm just using it and leveraging it in the in the context of business, okay, and communications. And I think that people who are really in that sweet spot, like I look at my boyfriend, Doug. I mean, he is a, an electrical engineer and finance and MBA and all that stuff. And he works for uh, the world's largest real estate company, CBRE. 
and he absolutely loves it, right? And he because he's using his strengths every single day. Right. And I think that that's a key thing. And I love that you pointed out, don't follow the market because market's fickle. Yeah. I mean, it changes overnight. Things go out, fall into favor, into trend, out of trend, out of favor every day, especially at the speed, because of technology, the speed mm-hmm. with which we all live, right. <laughs> which makes us all crazy. <laughs> so that's great. Oh, there's so many wonderful things that we sh- we talked about and that you shared, Julie. I'm so happy that you were able to spend some time with me and, and uh, you know, share your ideas and what you're doing with our listener. Um, it's been absolutely wonderful, and I will definitely be having you back for a future episode well, to see how you're you, doing. Thank you, Terry. It's always great to talk to you. You always predict great things for me and keep doing that. I, I appreciate it. Oh, that's wonderful. Well, thanks for being here. I appreciate it. Thanks. Well, that's it for this episode. Thank you for joining me. You know, being a solo can be incredibly rewarding when you have the right guidance, resources, and community to help drive your business vision. The great news is that's exactly what you'll get with Simplify and Multiply. You've just listened to another episode of the Simplify and Multiply show with Terry Pappy. If you want to get free marketing and business development tips, templates, trainings, and more, head over to simplifyandmultiply.com and sign up. Learn how you can grow your business the easy way. That's simplifyandmultiply.com to join our growing community of amazing, talented solopreneurs out to simplify their business, multiply their income, and make a big impact in the solopreneur economy.